Union. And uh, we are learning Leschos or Foshlema for Harav Yosef Yitzchak Ben Sima Chasia. And of course, Schos for world peace, specifically for peace to come to the very troubled region and for the Abishra to protect all of our fellow brothers and sisters and all of the citizens in the war-torn region in the Ukraine. And um, after our Sicha today, we will say Tehillim together and give Tzedakah together as a group. And I know that everybody feels the same way, like what can we do? And certainly we can learn Tehillim, give Tzedakah and um, Davin, and, uh, and we must do no less. Pekude Beis, Chilek Tezayin, Seif Aleph. Amru Chazal, our sages taught, on the first pasuk of this week's parsha, which is Ela Pekude Hamishkan, Mishkan Eidos. These are the accounts of the Mishkan, the Mishkan of testimony, etc. Shemashenemar Mishkan, Mishkan Shnei Pa'amim. So if you have the Chumash in front of you and you look at the pasuk, the word Mishkan appears twice. It's an alliteration. And our Chachamim taught that it's remez l'mikdash shenis mashkin b'shnei churvanim. That this is an allusion to the temple, to the Beis HaMikdash, that was taken as collateral in both of the times that it was destroyed, with both destructions. Bayis Rishon or Bayis The first Beis HaMikdash and the second Beis HaMikdash. The Enum Muvan, and this is not so easily understood, as has been questioned by various commentators. Of the two times that the Pasuk says the word Mishkan, only one is extraneous, only one is superfluous. Because saying the word Mishkan once is necessary for the content of the Pasuk. After all, it's the subject about which the verse is speaking. And so if only one of the instances of the word Mishkan is extra, So how can they then turn around and say that the twice- mentioned word Mishkan is an allusion to the two Bate Mikdash that were destroyed. It would seem that one is simply speaking about the Mishkan, the tabernacle in the Midbar in the desert, and one could be an allusion to something else. But how can both words, one of which is necessary for the, for the construct of the sentence, be an allusion to another Beis HaMikdash? And from this itself, it's proven that the above-mentioned teaching that our sages taught us concerning the words mishkan, mishkan, that the word mishkan is doubled, one time followed by a second time, it's not simply um, a commentary expounding on extra word in the verse. Who remes, Belushan Rashi. It's simply an illusion, as Rashi explained. The Kefel Tevas Mishkan, in the fact that the word is repeated, Shenis Mashkin, that we learned something else from the word Mishkan, because Mishkan 
in its purest form, certainly as we use it, is a reference to the tabernacle, the, the shul that Hashem told B'nai Yisrael to build in the Midbar while they were still in the desert. But what Rashi is telling us is that the fact that it's twice repeated in this Pasuk is an allusion to a secondary meaning and that the word Mishkan is also etymologically linked to the word Shanismashkin, which means it was um, given as collateral. Uh, like in, in Israel, you hear people speaking all the time about their Mashkanta. Uh, so it's the same word, uh, which is their um, mortgage, Vahainu. Meaning, this means that the Pasuk is speaking simply about the Mishkan. But along with that, but in addition to the fact that this is a reference to the Mishkan, the actual Mishkan, the literal Mishkan, it also alludes to the idea of a mashkain, a collateral. The mishkan, mishkan, shnei pamim moira ala mashkain shal shnei hamikdashais. But the fact that this word is repeated twice in the first pasuk of our parsha is an allusion to the fact that the two mikdashais were taken by Hashem as collateral. And we'll return to that idea. Base. Hasiforno beer, the mefirash, the commentator called the Sephorno, explains. That this pasuk that we're looking at, these are the accounts of the Mishkan. Actually expresses something about the greatness, the great stature of the components of the Mishkan and the vestments, the kalim in the Mishkan. And because there was such great holiness attached to the components of the Mishkan, they were not lost. Like Chazal taught us in the Gemara, lest you say that it was lost, the Mishkan was lost. Talmud Leimar, our Pasuk teach, not this Pasuk, a Pasuk in Truma teaches, the cedar would stand, the cedar tree stand, that the cedars, meaning the material from which, the raw material from which the walls of the Mishkan were fashioned, stand forever and ever. And even more than that, and we also know about the components of the Mishkan, that none of those components fell into the hands of the enemies. And our Pasuk actually delineates the uh, many uh, exalted uh, aspects of the Mishkan. And because of these properties, because of these characteristics of the Mishkan, the Mishkan was deserving and worthy of being eternal and not falling in the hands of our enemies. What does the Pasuk tell us? These are the accounts of the Mishkan, the Mishkan of testimony. And the Torah goes on to say, that were drawn up by Moshe's orders. 
Avoidus Halavim, for the work of the Levim, Biadi Summer, under the direction of the Summer, Ben Aaron Akain, the son of Aaron Akain. Asha Bishus Kol Hamailas Halalu, because of all of these um, amazing characteristics, Therefore, Hashem's presence rested in the hands of these exalted people who um, fashioned the, the, the Mishkan, and it did not fall into the hands of the enemies. Masha Enkin, a contradistinction, Mikdash Rishan, the first of the Bate Mikdash. Shabai loy hayu kol hamaylas halalu. That mikdash did not have these same characteristics. Hare afal pisha sharsa b'shchina nifsedu chalka v'chulu v'nafal b'seif hakol biad oivim. And although Hashem shchina rested in the first base of mikdash, but components of the base of mikdash were lost, and at the end, all of it fell into the hands of the enemies. Val derech zeh b'yisem izeh. And in like fashion, but even more so, in the second base Hamikdash. There weren't any of these above mentioned distinctions. The Hashem Shechina did not rest there, and it fell into it in its entirety into the hands of the enemies. And we might say, that the source for this teaching, at least the general teaching, who Maimer Chazal Gemara, is something that our sages taught in the Gemara Gemara Saita, Shaloi Sholtu Soinehem Bema that our enemies could not hold sway, they could not, they could not be sovereign over the work of Moshe's hands. Something that Moshe created, that Moshe fashioned, that Moshe built, could not fall to the enemies. So from when the first Mikdash was built, So as soon as the first Mikdash was built, all of the components of the Mishkan of Ayamayit were hidden away in a miraculous way, all of it, the walls, the, um, the, 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 the poles, uh, the, uh, the, um, the amudim, the, the pillars, the adonim, the, um, the, the silver bases, all of it was, was hidden away. And upon this teaching in the Gemara is based the explanation of the sages on this Pasuk, the first Pasuk of our Parsha, that because the Mishkan was created and fashioned upon the instruction of Maisha, that is why it was eternal and all of its components are eternal. Gimel. What is distinctive concerning the Mishkan over the Bate Mikdash is something that we learn from the Pshat of this Pasuk, meaning simply speaking, in a revealed fashion, 
Dafka hamishkan hu nitzri. It is specifically the mishkan that is eternal. Because it was fashioned by Moshe. In contradistinction to the Batei Mikdash that fell into the hands of our enemies and were destroyed. But if you're looking at the Pasuk on the next level of interpretation, what's alluded in the Pasuk, if you're looking more into the internal strata of this concept, Gam is The Bati Mikdash are also eternal. And once we understand that the Bati Mikdash also have an eternal quality, which the Reb is going to uh, unfurl for us, then this can reconcile the great wonder of us being taught that the Mikdash, the Bati Mikdash would be alluded to in a word, Mishkan, which is etymologically related to the word Shanismashkin that was taken away as collateral. Why is this a big wonder? Because in Yanai Shalmashkin, Eina Shahachafet Shanismashkin Nevad Mi Ba'alov, Va'ayvelar Shusay Shalhamal Vilagamre. Because how does collateral work? It's something that you put up for a temporary amount of time against which you borrow money. But it's not that when you give something away for collateral, it's completely lost to you. And it now becomes the ownership of the person who's loaning you the money. That's not how collateral works. It's rather that it belongs to the loaner for a transitory period of time. Um, and at the end, this, whatever it is that was taken as collateral, is returned to the borrower. So the Rebbe says, and this is true concerning the Mikdashes. When we talk about the Chorban Beis Hamikdash, the first, Chorban Beis Hamikdash, the second, we need to understand that it does not mean that it was completely destroyed. Although physically it was destroyed, although physically Yidin watched it burn, but eternally it is ours and it was simply taken away as collateral. And the Rebbe asserts that at the end, it will be returned to us. The Beis HaMikdash HaRishon, the Beis HaMikdash HaSheni, it exists. It's sequestered away, but it belongs to us. Dalit. The above mentioned way in which there's an eternal quality about the Mishkan that obscures even the Mikdashes. Now here the Rebbe is going to parse this idea of eternity. And he's going to say that the way in which the Mishkan 
the, the eternity of the Mishkan is greater than of the Bate Mikdash is specifically concerning the components of the Mishkan and the Kalim, the vestments of the Mishkan. But when you speak about the holiness of the actual place, when you talk about Hashem resting his presence in that place, whether you're talking about the Mishkan or the Mikdash, when you look at it in terms of the place, then the Mikdash has a greater characteristic of eternity over the Mishkan. In the words of the Rambam, in the part of his Mishnah Torah, where he speaks about the laws surrounding the Bate Mikdash. So the Rambam says, and it's already, it was already explained in the Torah. The Mishkan that Meisha Rabbeinu fashioned, which was temporary, as opposed to the fact that when the base Hamikdash was built in Yerushalayim, at once it was forbidden in all other places in the world, including in Eretz Israel, to build a house for Hashem, and to offer sacrifices. And there is no home for God for all generations. Ella Birushalayim Bovad Bahar Maria, with the exception of the Nirushalayim and specifically on Har Hamaria Bahuli. And the Rambam then bolsters his statement by bringing the Pasuk from Tehillim, Zois Menuchasi Adeat. This will be my resting place until eternity. The holiness of the space of the Mishkan was temporary. And this is reflected in the terminology of the Pasuk. Hashem says, and I will accompany you in the tent. But the word tent is by definition a reference to something temporary, as opposed to as opposed to the reference that they Mikdash, which talks about a bias, a house, which is a reference to to the resting place of Hashem's presence in a um, on a constant basis. And this is and the constancy of Hashem's resting is only in Yerushalayim. And so this is also reflected when you talk about in the negative. That Misha, Nivna, Bais HaMikdash, from where the Bais HaMikdash was built, Nasru So at that moment, it became forbidden to build a house for Hashem in any other place. And even more. With the building of the first base of Mikdash, it is not only that there was a novelty that from that point on, there was established a constant place for Hashem to rest the Shekhinah. 
אלא השבועס השכינה נסס העוז בפועל באופן נצחי. That resting of Hashem Shechina in that place became something eternal. Kamoisha Pasuk HaRambam, like the Rambam Paskins, Shekedushas HaMikdash Rishalayim, Kedusha Rishayna Kitshel LaAsid Lavoi, Lefi Shekedushas HaMikdash Rishalayim, Ipnei HaShechina Ushechina Eina Batela. The Rambam Paskins, that when the Beis HaMikdash will be rebuilt, the original Kedusha will be there, the Kedusha Rishayna. Why? because the Kedusha of the Mikdash in Yerushalayim is due to the Shechina. And the Shechina is never obviated. The Shechina is inviolable. And from this it's understood, that what was explained above, that from this illusion in the Pasuk we learn, that the Bati Mikdash are also eternal, just like the Mishkan. It's not only because the holiness of the place is never obviated. Because in that respect, on the contrary, the Mikdash has a a superlative quality over the Mishkan, and the Mikdash is the main thing, you could say. When we talk in general, historically, in the places where Hashem rested in Shnina, the Mikdash, you know, outranks the Mishkan. But the Rebbe says, but it's more. But also we learn from our Pasuk that even in the Bati Mikdash, Yeshnei al koponim me'ein, that even in the Mikdash, in the Bati Mikdash, that were not fashioned by Moshe, that at first glance, they don't have the components and the, and the kalim, don't have the same eternity. But the Rebbe says, but we learn from the illusion of this passage, from the way that the reference of the Bati Mikdash is learned out from the second term, Mishkan, in this pasuk, that there is me'ain, there is somewhat of an eternity to the components of the Mikdash. Hey. So how do we understand this? Because earlier the Rebbe put out a binary that the Mishkan and the Mikdash were, diff- were different. The Mishkan was built by Maisha and everything that Maisha built is eternal, whereas the Mikdash, it was not like that. But now the Rebbe is saying, but because the Bate Mikdash are alluded to in this Pasuk from the word Mishkan, it must mean that there is some parallel regarding not just the space of the Mikdash, but also the Kalim and also the components of the Mikdash. And the Rebbe says we'll, we will be able to understand this by prefacing with a different Maimer Chazal. Lahakti Maimer Chazal al Pasuk. By looking at what the Chazal teaches in Gemara Megillah on the Pasuk in, in Parshas Re'e, you did not come until this time to the rest and to your inheritance, to your resting place and your inheritance. And Chazal teach, Menucha zu shiloi, that the word Menucha is a reference to Shiloh, where the first Mishkan in Eretz Yisrael was set up. 
And nachla zu Yerushalayim. And nachla, the word inheritance, is an allusion to the Batei Mikdash in Yerushalayim. The pastos, simply speaking, hatam she Yerushalayim dafka nikreis nachla v'shila nikreis minucha. The reason why Yerushalayim would be called your inheritance and Shila would be called your rest, and only your rest, because the term Nachala, your inheritance, again speaks to Kfius, constancy, permanence, much more so than Menucha, which means a resting place. One can rest also for a very temporary amount of time. So you could say, I'm going to my hotel room to rest. That's perfectly normal and tenable. But you wouldn't call your hotel room your inheritance. That would be your home. And therefore, and because the only place where there will be a house for Hashem for all generations, for all eternity, is Yerushalayim. Therefore, Yerushalayim is called Nachala. Aval maspik. But the Rebbe says, but that's not enough of a reason. Why? Because this very pasuk from Re'eh, is explained by, in a different way of understanding, by a different Mephirash who's using a different reasoning, that it's explained in the opposite way, that the word menucha in that pasuk refers to Yerushalayim, and Nachala and Nachala is a reference to Shilai. And this is even though everybody admits that Yerushalayim obscures Shilai. And still, there is a way of understanding the Pasuk and Re'i as the word Nachala actually referring to Shilai. And because of this, we are forced to say, that the word menucha, that the concept of menucha, of rest, embodies some quality that is overriding even over the quality of nachla. This means, in the first interpretation, we understand Menucha and Nachala laid out for us in a hierarchical trajectory. One is higher than the other. But now the Rebbe is saying, no, when we look at the way that this very same Pasuk is understood by other Mephorshim, we have to conclude that both Menucha, the concept of rest, and Nachala, the concept of inheritance, are both very important um, categories that each boast their own characteristics and one has what the other doesn't have. And it's not such a simple hierarchy. What is the explanation? How do we understand this? Or as we said, Okay, the... Um, 
great Mila of the Mishkan is that its components and its kalim are eternal. But as a place where Hashem would rest his presence, it was only temporary. It was a oihel. It was a tent. And the mikdash is opposite. In terms of a place where Hashem would rest his presence, it's, it's permanent. The Shechina ain't a betela. Aval etzem ha-binyan v'chalakav nifsedu. But the actual building, the structure itself and its components were lost. V'nafflu bidea ha-even. And they fell into the hands of our enemies. U'shtei maile shenes elu mirumazais b'shnei ha-tayarim menucha v'nachala. And these, the, the, this difference between the Mishkan and the Mikdash is alluded to in these two terms, in these two descriptions, menucha and nachala. Because simply speaking, what's the difference between menucha and nachala? If you analyze it, if you break it down. Menucha, the Rebbe says, rest, mitaeres is matzav nafshei shela odam, gavra. Menucha describes the person's uh, situation, their emotional situation. So in halachic terminology, it's called gavra. It speaks to the person. Menucha describes a person who is not moving and schlepping things from place to place. And this also includes a person's things that they're schlepping from place to place to place. The Rebbe says, as we see, practically, the things we have, they have a deep impact on us. We need our things um, as we get older, we, you know, we need our beds. Uh, we need our, our creature comforts. Not that we're like, you know, princess with a pea, but you just, a person is affected by their things. And it's mashpial das adam, And it impacts our mood. It impacts our bandwidth. And, and in this respect, our things, are more impactful, are more close to us than even our homes, than our domicile. The ilu nachala, whereas the term nachala inheritance mitaeres is atchuna shel etzem hadavar, that describes the thing, the chetza. Okay, so the menucha describes the gavra, the person, and nachala describes chetza, the thing. In this place, hakarka, the the real estate, your inheritance. And if you want to look very very quickly in the last, the second part of footnote twenty-five, the Rebbe says, in the tire of Hasidus, it illuminates the difference between your clothing and your house. Your clothing is called makiv hakarev. 
that which surrounds you that is close to you. And the apartment or your house is called makif harwachik. And, and they affect you in different ways. And through this, we can understand that the Mishkan that components of which were made from the Mishkan that Moshe fashioned, like the Rambam writes, they built there a house, and they spread the Uriahs, the, the tapestries of the Mishkan upon the house they built in Shiloh. So this Mishkan of Shiloh had the characteristic of resting. Its eternity is expressed in the components thereof and in the vestments. The things that travel with a person from place to place. And therefore, when they came to Shiloh in a permanent way, that's called resting. This described, as explained above, what they felt, their emotional um, situation. But when you're talking about the Mikdash, that's its characteristic, its, its, its um, great characteristic is not in its components and its kalim, but rather that this is the place that is always going to hold the holiness. And therefore, it's called Nachla. Because that really um, signals something about the place rather than the thing. Actually, the, I'm sorry, the place is the thing rather than what's being felt by the person. So it's chefza and not gavra. Vav. The explanation about the differences between the Mishkan and the Mikdash. On the one hand, we have to understand that anything that a human being cre- that anything a human being does, a human being is a creation. By definition, a human being is limited, and therefore, a human being cannot affect eternity. Eternity can only be affected by Hashem. So here's another component in the difference that the aspects, the components of the Mikdash themselves were not eternal. Because as the Zayar describes them, it is a building that was created by humans. But the holiness that is inherent and endemic and inviolable about the place of the Mikdash, that is not something that was affected by human beings. It flows, the constant eternal holiness flows from the fact that Hashem chose that place to rest his name on. 
Obolashan Rambam, Kedushas Hamikdash, Kule, Vipne Hashina, Ushina, Eina Batela. The Rebbe already quoted this before that the Kedusha of the Mishkan is because of the Shina, and the Shina, it will never be abnegated. Kiloima, this is to say, Loi Binin Hamikdash, who Shepalas Nitzrius Hashras Hashina, Bahamikdash. It is not the building that affected the holiness nor the resting of Hashem's place. Building the actual structure of the Bisa Mikdash was only preparatory. In order that the place should be prepared for Hashem resting his presence. And that the resting of Hashem's presence should be in a manifest way. But the fact that Hashem's presence would rest there, the resting itself came from the fact that Hashem chose that place to rest, and therefore it is eternal. In contradistinction, when you talk about the Mishkan, it's the opposite. Hashem's resting his Shina there did not come because Hashem chose that place specifically to rest his name there. In the case of the Mishkan, it was actually the construction of the Mishkan that pulled Hashem's Shina down there. As we were commanded in the words of Asr the Mikdash, and through your making me a Mikdash, I will rest among you. And when in that place the reason for Hashem's resting is abnegated, there's no more of a Asuli Mikdash, then the effect is also abnegated, and there's no longer Vidishakanti that I will rest in that place. But when you speak, about the components of the Mishkan and the Kalin, because they were made, they were fashioned through Maisha. Maisha is a servant of Hashem, a faithful servant. And the entire existence of a servant is in actuality the existence of the owner. And especially in light of the explanation that so the Rashba uh, in Kedushin says that on the words what a servant buys is really bought by the owner. So the Rashba explains it means it's not that a servant can actually buy something for himself and through the agency of his purchase, his owner then acquires it. It, The Evet cannot own anything to begin with. He can't own anything. So anything he buys, the Chatzchila belongs to his owner. So in the same way, so since Maisha is an Eved Neman, so everything about Maisha is really 
godliness. It's really Elokos, it's Hashem. He owns nothing. He is nothing. His entire existence is Hashem. So therefore, just like what Hashem creates and fashions is eternal, in like fashion, this is true about Misha, who is the servant of Hashem and completely abnegated Hashem. And we might say that this is why Hashem's actual resting his presence in the Mikdash was Davka in the merit of David HaMelech. Like Chazal explained in Gemara Shabbos, that it was only and specifically after Shleima HaMelech Davin to Hashem, Hashem Elokim al Tashev Pnei Mishichecha Zachra Lechazdei David Avdecha. Don't turn away your face. Remember the kindness of David, your servant. Hayabiyecholtei lahachnis es ha'aron leveis kachet hakadoshim b'sharis hashchina b'vayis. It was only after Shlaim Melech evoked his father and said to Hashem in the schus of David, your servant. Was only after that that they were able to enter with the Aron, they were able to bring it into the Kedush Hakadoshim, and Hashem's Shechina came down. Because they had to affect the presence, the resting of Hashem's presence in an eternal way. So because they wanted to bring down the Shekhinah in an eternal fashion, the preparation for that had to happen through the agency of a person who was in the same mold, in the same category of Moshe Rabbeinu, a complete Evet Hashem. And for that reason, Ma'ase Yadav Kayamim La'elam. And therefore, what he touches, what he fashions, what he creates is eternal. So even though Shleim HaMelech built the base Hamikdash, but in order for the Shekhinah to come down, for that he had to evoke David HaMelech. And therefore, the Hashra Shekhinah was in the Shekhinah of David, because he's Ever Hashem. And the Rebbe says, and that's why when you look at the tefillah of Shlomo, what did Shlomo Melch say? So many things you could say about David Melch, but he said, David Avdecha, your servant. And it was only because of this, and therefore our enemies were not able to actually reign over the eternity of the holiness of that spot. And this is like Moshe, who vested the components of the Mishkan with eternity. Ches. So based on the explanation of, uh, given above, in describing the characteristic of resting, now we can explain why we would find the term menucha also used according to a different deya for Yerushalayim. 
And in fact, we find a verse in Tehillim that says, Bachar Hashem B'Tzion, Hashem chose Tzion, which we know is another word for Yerushalayim, Zois Minuchasi Adead. In this passage, it says, this is my resting place. It doesn't say Zu Nachalasi, it's a Zu Minuchasi Adead. Again, using that term, Minucha. Dilach Aira. It would seem it, it, why would Yerushalayim, which is about permanence, be referred to as Menuchasi, which has a temporary connotation? The Rebbe says, Ki b'mikdash ha-shlishi I always try to explain to people that uh, the rest of the world calls this the post-temple era, but in our reality, this is the pre-temple era. And the Rebbe reminds us of that constantly because in the third base Hamidash, there will be both miles, both great characteristics. Hey Nachla, the Hey Menucha, both Nachla, which connotes Nitzchius, which connotes eternity, and menucha, complete rest. In the third Beit HaMikdash, its eternity will not just be in terms of space, real estate, like it was for the first and second. The binyan itself will be eternal. After Hashem will build it by himself, for those of us who you could close your eyes and remember the Rebbe saying these words emphatically so many times, that it will be the Mikdash of Hashem that your hands will prepare, Hashem's hands will prepare. Like it's written in Zayashem, the third base of Middash will be built through the hands of Hashem and it will exist until the end of time for generations, generations. Tess. It would seem that we can ask a question about this. It would seem that the simple explanation of the words of this verse, this is my resting place forever, it would seem, the Rebbe is trying to say that this is talking about the Mikdash HaShlishi. But the Rebbe says, but I have a question on my own on what I just told you. And that is, that it would seem, this is also talking about the first place of Mikdash, that possible. Even more, Harambam Hevi Kosov Zekedam Ledin, the Rambam brings down this pasuk to bolster the halacha that once the base of Middash was built in Yerushalayim, creating a house for Hashem is prohibited in any other place. So then it means it was for all time. But then again, the Rebbe is saying that the reason why you could say Zeis Menuchasi on Yerushalayim is because it's talking about the third Beit HaMikdash. So how do we reconcile this? And the explanation is, 
regarding the resting stops that B'nai Yisrael um, took in the Midbar, Isa B'gemar Be'erubin, it's written in the Gemara Ne'erubin, Kevon Dechsev, it says as follows, Bahu Alpi Hashem, because it says there, Alpi Hashem Yachanu, Alpi Hashem Yisau, on the word of Hashem, they rested. On the word of Hashem, they traveled. Then, keman dikvia luhudami. I know this means it's considered permanent. It's considered bikvias. Um, it's considered permanent. Bahainu, what does this mean? Da'afel pishe Yisrael bemidbar Yisrael Even though bnei Yisrael were intense, they were a tent camp. They were. It would seem, for all intents and purposes, temporary. But they were like permanent residents. Because once they're resting, even though it wasn't a tent, was Hashem, was on was on the word of Hashem, then it's considered that they rest in permanent fashion. The arresting itself, even though they were in Ayhel, became something permanent. And so the same thing in the Mishkan and what we're talking about. Because Hashem called the Mikdash Bayish, before the Bate Mikdash were built, Hashem said, I will walk with you in Oyel. That means that even the Bate Mikdash, which, okay, you'd say it's permanent because it's a bias, but it wasn't permanent. One time it stood for 400 and change, and one time, again, it stood for 400 and change. But the Rebbe says that because it was created al Hashem, so just like the Chaniyos in the Midbar, the Beis HaMikdash has a permanent aspect. Shegam HaMikdash Ba'atzma, it's not temporary. It has that idea of permanent calm and resting, nidunas kva, it has status as something permanent. And therefore, it's appropriate that the term menucha should also relate to the Bate Mikdashes. Because although the ultimate aspect of menucha, of permanence, of eternity, as it relates to the components and the kalim, will only be in the Mikdash HaShlishi, but even the first two Bate Mikdash have some type of um, quality that is ain, that is a uh, aspect or a subtle aspect of this. Because they are called by Hashem, bias. And the Rebbe circles back 
and saying, and this we could say is the reason why the preparations for building the base Hamikdash. Earlier, the Rebbe talked about Shlomo HaMelech evoking his father's name when it came time to actually bring the Aaron into the base Hamikdash. But now the Rebbe is saying that we might also understand that this is the reason why the the seeds of building the base Hamikdash were actually planted by David HaMelech, like we learned, because what he would fashion would be eternal. So even though, um, as, we, as we've learned, David HaMelech was not able to build the base HaMikdash because his, his, his hands were bloodstained because of all the wars that he had to wage, but he actually created the... Um, he, created, he, he set the basis for it. And therefore, even the very structure had an eternal quality about it. But even so, so even though it had a aspect of eternity about it, but at the end, it fell into the hands of the enemies because the actual building project was through the agency of Shlomo It was only the preparatory stages that took place through David HaMelech. Yud. Le'il, above, in Seif Beis, in the second section of the Sicha, Huva Mashekas of the Sifornai. The Rebbe brought down what the Sephora teaches, that one of the great characteristics of the Mishkan, for which reason it was deserving to be eternal, it was because it was the place where the, the Luchais rested, because it was a place where the Luchais rested. And just like there is um, a common feature of the Mishkan and the Mikdash Hashlishi, the third base Hamikdash, in terms of the revealed eternity, of the components and the kingdom. In like fashion, is there a common denominator in the reason for their eternity? And that is the reason that it was deserving to be eternal. And what is that? Because both of the Mishkan, and in the Hashlishi, the Arain will stand in its place for the entirety of its existence. In the second base of Mikdash, from the beginning, the Arain was never there. And even at the end of the era of the first base of Mikdash, Gonza Yeshiahu. Yeshiahu already hid the array. And here, um, the, the Sicha really turns from like the Haskalah to the Avoidah, from the, you know, from, from the 
learning the theoretical to, to the Avreda. Rebbe says, we explained above at length that the eternal quality that is ascribed to the components of the Mishkan and to the components of the third Beis HaMikdash also existed in some way in both Batei Mikdash. In the Bati Mikdash, the eternal aspect manifested not in its components, but in its space. This means it's not the same type of eternity that there was in the Mishkan. Because in the Mishkan, Shenyana Shachalke Ukleya Mishkan Hagash Miem Heim Nitzchiyem. Because what's the novelty? That in the Mishkan, the physical components were vested with eternity. Whereas in the Mikdash, Zuhi Nitzchiyas Hashras Hashchina Beruchnias, Shchina Einam Betela. Whereas when you're talking about the Bate Mikdash, you're talking on a spiritual level, there's an eternity, because the Shchina could never be obviated. And based on this, we have to say, that this characteristic, this eternal characteristic that is added and is novel and comes through the agency of the Orang, Mishkan. says that the eternity in the two, the Mishkan and the third base Hamikdash, somewhat perhaps counterintuitively, the, the great attribute manifests Dafka in the Gashmis and not in the Ruchmis. And we know in Hasidus over and over, we learned this, that the greatness of what the Gashmis manifests. I will understand this better by talking about what the Arain embodies in terms of our Avedis Hashem. Each and every one of us is a Mishkan and is a Mikdash for Hashem. Like the very well-known words of our Chachamim and the Pasuk Va'asuli Mikdash Vishakanti Bisaicham, not Bisaichai, but Bisaicham, build me a Mikdash and I will rest amongst you. Bisaich kal echad vi echad in each one of you. Ukashem Shiva Mikdash Yeshna Shlesha Diurin. And just Diurin, I think. And just like in the Mikdash, there are three areas. There is the Azara. The, the courtyard, there's the Kodesh, and then there's the Kodesh HaKadoshim, Sheboi Nim Tzaharain, and it's in the Kodesh HaKadoshim that the Arain is found. Kach Yeshnam Shloisha Diyurin Elu B'Mikdash HaParti Shebechol Yehudi. In like fashion, each one of us has these three spaces. Ha'azara, first there's the courtyard, Sheboi Omad Mizbeach HaChitzain, what was found in the courtyard, the outer Mizbeach, upon which were offered all of the animal sacrifices. But Avoida, in terms of our Avoida, this embodies the external aspect of the heart. 
the Kodesh, Shaboy Nipsam is Be'achapnimi, the Kodesh in which was found the golden altar upon which was offered the incense, who Pnimis Halev. This is the inner area of the heart. The Kodesh Hakadashim, Shaboy Nimsa Arain, and the Holy of Holies, which was found Arain, who Pnimis, the Pnimis Halev. This is the innermost aspect of the heart. And here, heart and neshama are actually being used in a, the same way. So the Chabbat says, this is the Yechida, Sheba Neshama. This is the aspect about which it is says, To this place, there is no parallel. Nothing can compare. And this aspect of the Jew is always complete. It's nitzchis, it's eternal. It is not possible that anything, look in parentheses, anything that is contra, anything that is an enemy should reign over this aspect and should be able to attack it or maim it or impact in any way. Because even concerning much lower levels of the neshama, even when a Jew sins, the neshama is completely faithful to God. And we might say that this aspect of the Pnim, the Pnimius the Yechida, he is also the Moshe that is found in each one of us. Like it says, remember, remember the Torah of Moshe, my, my servant. And the Aaron was in the Kedush HaKadoshim, and the Kedush HaKadoshim is our Yechida. So the Rebbe says, that's the Indian of Moshe. And from this, we can understand why in those two times in history, the time when we were in the Mishkan, in the Midbar, and the time that is to come very, very shortly, the Aaron is found in its place in a revealed fashion. The Pnimius, the Pnimius Halev, the innermost part of our heart, the Bechina of Yechida, the Bechina of Moshe, in those times, in the Midbar, on the one hand, or in the time of the Mishkan, and very soon in the time of the Beis HaMikdash, will be exposed. Dar HaMidbar Yadar Deya. The Dar of the Midbar was called Dar Deya, the, the, the generation of knowledge. The entire generation was in some way on the level of Maisha. Their entire life revolved around knowledge of the supernal. As Arizal explained. And also when Mashiach comes, about the time of Mashiach comes, the Torah says that Hashem will circumcise your heart. Even the most thin veneer will no longer remain. There'll be no impediment at all. And tisgale nekudas primis halev. And the innermost aspect of the heart, and the pintala 
Nikuda, the Pintaliyid, the innermost aspect, the Yechida, the Bechina of Moshe, will be revealed. Masha Inkin, Besayzman Mikdash Rishon, or Becholzman Mikdasheni. But when you compare and contrast this to the sec, to the second the end part of the Mikdash Rishon and the entire time of the second Mikdash, even though the Arin was there completely, it didn't fall into the hand, it existed. And it was not in the hands of enemies, but it was obscured. It was hidden. Based on what we've said above, we might explain. On the innermost uh, explanation, says, interestingly enough, the Rambam specifically calls the Mishkan Mikdash Hamidbar. Why? So the Rebbe says, Shari as is known, that Mirames Harambam Besifre Kamen Yonim Shal Kabbalah, Balder Zubinyaninu, that the Rambam hinted at in Yonim of Kabbalah in his works. And here is one example in our Indian. Beloshan Mikdash Hamidbar. When you look at the term Mikdash Hamidbar, in the term Midbar is alluded to this great characteristic of the Mishkan, which is embodied in the fact that the Aram was in its place constantly and it was revealed. He beprimius de primius haleiv, he bechinas Midbar. Because the innermost aspect of the heart of the neshama is called the midbar shebe neshama. What does this mean? So this is a paradigm shift because we're used to thinking of the midbar as a place that is desolate, that is empty, that is bereft. But the Rebbe says, but there's also another way of understanding it. Midbar shehi lamayla mefchinas adam shebe neshama. Midbar is a place that's even higher than the place that's called Adab Shabinashama, where people traverse on a regular basis. It's a place, Loyashav Adab Sham. It's a place. So, normally, when we talk about a place that's desolate, we say a no man's land. That, that's not a compliment. But the Rebbe says, Bechasidis explains that there's a place in the Neshama that's higher than man's land. Then Adam, and that's Midbar. Midbar Limaliusa, using it in the positive sense. And what is that? Mesiras Nefesh, Mitam Badas. It's not a place where people are, meaning it's not a place where our normal calculations and where our seichel would take us. It's higher. It's a place of Mesiras Nefesh. It's higher than Tam Badas. It's higher than logic. And in like fashion, we find about Mashiach that there's this, this aspect of Ma'id, which is higher than the Bechina, than the aspect of Adam. It says about Mashiach, He ne Yaskil Avdi Yarum, the Nasa 
the apprehension my servant speaking about um, Mashiach is heightened and above and higher much, 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 much higher even though ma'id is comprised of exactly the same letters of the word Adam, but the way that the letters are strung together in the word ma'id, this teaches about the aspect that is without any definition and without any limitation at all. I'm going to try to mute. Just give me a second. Thank you so much. Sorry. No, it's okay. I just, it's not coming up on my screen. I'm going to try again. Thanks. Um, so this is a place that's it's higher than a place that is encapsulated in the term Adam. When the words, when the letters Aleph, Dalet, and Mem are strung together to make Adam. No, this is Ma'id. Mem Aleph Dalit, this is a place that's higher. That's the Midbar Tikitusha. This is the desert of holiness that is above the thorough fear of human beings with all of our calculations and our logic and our ruminations and our postulations, etc. etc. Shekain Zuhi Dagas Aran, because this is the level of the Aran that will be returned from Mashiach to its place in a revealed fashion. And in closing, the Rabbi says, And it's well known, and the Kutay Torah, al teaches that Adam teaches concerning the three aspects of the persona, Machshava, Dibor, and Maisa, our thought, our speech, and our actions. The Aleph, alludes to machshava, because the beginning of everything is the thought process. Dalit is for dibor, speech, and mem is for maisa, for action. Valpizen nimsa. And so based on this, we find that when we look at the level of me'oid, which is higher than the level of adam, what's the beginning? Not the Aleph, which is usually the beginning, because on the level of Adam, on the level of our human construct, everything begins with Machshava. Now the Rebbe is teaching us something so amazing that when you come to the level of Ma'id, transcendent, there it all begins with Maisa. And here I have to break for a moment to say something personal to Sarah Hecht, who was very, uh, Sarah Deitch, sorry, who was um, <laughs> last week, you know, the Sicha was kind of like difficult. Um, so I just want to say that um, your student, Sarah Dylan, who transferred from you, from your husband's tefillin on Friday and your food and your pasta, and the kasha that you gave him landed in Binghamton and did not last here very long. He is now in Morristown, New Jersey. Learning. 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 His name is Shalom, not Dylan. So you and your husband should have enormous chasidish from him and from all of your tamidim and tamidais 
And, um, and this is the Bechina of Maisa, of the Mem of Me'oid. Thank you, Rivki. But we need both. We need the Adam and we need the Me'oid. Vahabir Bazir, an explanation. Inyan HaMesiris Nefesh Bol Debitui Dafka Be'inyan HaMaisa. Because Mesiris Nefesh comes to expression Dafka through action. The Na'ot Trilasan Besaifan Dafka. Because we learn Kabbalah, Hasidus, that the beginning is always wedged in the end. So while Maisa would seem to be the end, but really the beginning, the most profound, is wished in the end. And this is what Hasidus explains on the words, So the conventional understanding is, there is nothing like you in this world. There's nothing... There's nothing that holds a candle to you. There's nothing that's worthy in this world. But Hasidus explains that it is specifically in this world, in the physical, material, corporeal world. That is where the stupendous, and I mean, what words can we possibly say about Hashem? But that is where the greatness actually comes to the fore. And this is also true about the Ein Arach that is in every Jew, the aspect of every Jew that cannot be qualified, it cannot be quantified. There is nothing that comes close to it. This is the Kayach of Messias Nefesh, of sacrifice that is nestled in the innermost aspect of every heart. Ein Arach. This is in the Ein Arach of the Neshama. This is in the part of the Neshama that there's nothing that can that can be compared to it. And it comes and it comes to expression specifically through action. And this is the explanation between the two things that we find that are superlative about the Mishkan and the Mitzvah the Arain, that the Arain was always there in manifest way in its place, and that the Chelke and that the components of both the Mishkan and the Mikdash, the physical components, are eternal. Because the Indian of the Arain, Pneumius de Pneumius Halev, which is the embodiment of the deepest part of our heart. Misbate Davka Hasia is expressed specifically in action or in the physical dimension. In the, the eternity of the material components and aspects of the Mishkan and the Mikdash. Um, so I'm going to now ask Tsipa to. Um, Take the open, uh, unmute yourself. But I just want to wish everybody this is Shabbos Chazak coming up. Chazak, Chazak. We should be strengthened. And Thursday and Friday, Rishchidish Adar Beis, and all of the brachas that, that flow. And we should talk and see the Simcha of Adar for all of us personally and for all of us collectively. And um, and in that vein, Sipa um, will lead us into Hillam and Staka.
Hi, I wanted just to do a screen share. Thank you so much, Rifki. Um, I guess first everyone could give Sadaka. You have a coin nearby. Okay. I just wanted to do a screen share with the capital. So if we can all say it together. Lam Natseach, Nizmor, the David, Yancha, Adonai, Biyom, Sarah, Yisagecha, Shem Elohe Yaakov, Yishlach, Ezracha, Mekaidesh, Umetzion, Yisadecha, Yizkor, Kol, Minchasecha, the Olascha, Yidashna, Sela, Yiten Lacha, Kilvavecha, the Kol, Atatcha, Yemale, Niranana, Yeshua Secha, Ubeshem, Elohenu, Nigdol, Yemale, Adonai, Kol, Mishlotecha, Ata, Yadati, Ki, Hoshia, Adonai, Mishicho, Yanehu, Nishme Kajo Biguros Yeshe Yemino. Ella Varecha Vella Vasusim Vanachnu Bishem Adonai Elohenu Nazkir. Hamakaru Vinaklu Vanachnu Kamnu Vinisodad Adonai Hoshia Hamel Yanenu Biyom Karenu. Thank you, Tzip, and the Ibsha should be makabal all of our tefillas and everything that we're doing and bring Sholem al Yisrael and bring Sholem on that whole region and the whole world. Mm-hmm. Wishing everybody a wonderful week. Thank, Thank you, Rishi. Thank you, Tzipa. Thank you.